everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been? I'm pretty good, Garrett. Uh, not too much uh, crazy going on, just trying to get through this next storm that's coming through and staying warm. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a pretty uh, hectic weekend in, in terms of weather here in, in southwestern Pennsylvania. And unfortunately, while a lot of us are going to be stuck inside, uh, the the Winter Olympics are starting up. But that, that means the Pittsburgh Penguins, they are off on a much-needed and much-deserved break as the NHL heads into All-Star Game season. Uh, so this week's episode, we, we have some games to recap, and we'll, we'll certainly discuss those uh, as we go along. And we have something, a lot of fans, a, a topic that we're going to be talking about that I think a lot of fans are very interested in, especially recently. And we'll get to that uh, momentarily. But let's kick off this recap segment here. Uh, Robbie, the last stretch of games the Penguins have played, they they haven't looked their best. The, the, the biggest talking point from this four-game losing streak that we will get into is that the Penguins, just plain and simple, Robbie, to me, they look like they are a tired bunch that that kind of needed the all get to the all-star break to recharge their batteries. After they get out of the all-star break, they, they could be playing hockey almost once a game every other night. So uh, let's get into it and talk some hockey here. The Penguins, uh, they played a game on January 27th against the Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken come to Pittsburgh for the very first time in franchise history and not a ton of offense to speak of in this game. Uh, the Kraken win this game by a score of 2-1 to one in overtime, uh, and both regulation goals came in the third period. Evgeny Malkin gets on the board his fourth goal since returning from his knee injury, gets the Penguins out to take the lead on the power play at the 841 mark of the third period. However, it would be Jared McCann, the former Penguins forward, who many are still uh, still angered by seeing his departure in the offseason. Jared McCann gets his 17th goal of the season to tie the game for the Seattle Kraken at 16:04. That would be all of the offense in regulation. We go into overtime, and Adam Larson, the defenseman, gets his fourth goal of the campaign at the 117 mark of the overtime period. Seattle wins this one by a score of two to one. Robbie, there wasn't a lot of offense in this game. Like I mentioned, Pittsburgh did go one for two on the power play. They won 63% of their faceoffs out hit the Kraken 33 to 29. They did have four more giveaways than the Kraken did, but, uh, uh, not not a whole lot of crazy conclusions to draw from this one. Uh, the Penguins get the loser overtime point. They lose to uh, a Western Conference team. They're still keeping pace within the very bunched up Metropolitan Division. So, Robbie, what were your thoughts from the two to one overtime loss to the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, there wasn't really uh, much going on in this game. It was just uh, why we scoreless through two periods of play. Both goalies were. Uh, keeping things at bay and doing their job. And you got Malkin getting that go-ahead goal there in the third period on the power play, and you think maybe they can uh, find a way to just uh, see this game out and get that two points and have one nothing better than uh, better than nothing, and they couldn't quite do it. Uh, a bad uh, – they lost a draw in the, off- in the defensive zone, 
And then um, Jared McCann just got to the front of the net. He's having a career year. And, yeah, we did, can definitely debate um, him no longer being in Pittsburgh. But the matter of fact is right now he's not. And he got uh, some nice little revenge on the Penguins uh, in this game with that game-tying goal that eventually sent it to overtime. Uh, and then in overtime, Seattle had the better of the chances, and it paid off. Adam Larson, like you said, got the uh, got the game winner. But, I mean, coming off at that point what had been – another long winning streak there's not i mean it's going to snap at some point you can't expect them uh to win uh, to win uh 10 in a row uh after uh that many games that that condensive schedule in in january but you got the point at least you didn't you didn't blow it in regulation but i mean overall you kind of when you had that third period lead whether it's one goal or three goals or more than that you kind of wish that you'd see it out but they couldn't and uh, Seattle, credit to them. Uh, they're not very good. They're they're way outside of the playoff picture, but uh, they kept fighting and got that tying goal, and then eventually got the winner in overtime. Yeah, that was my biggest point of frustration, like you mentioned, not being able to close it out in the final moments of regulation. Uh, the Kraken do get their first overtime win in franchise history. We'll go on a trivia card somewhere that will include the Pittsburgh Penguins forever. In uh, Seattle, crack in history. The like you said, the Penguins' winning streak ends. Their the current winning streak ends at six games with that loss to the crack. And moving on, the Penguins play the Detroit Red Wings on January 28th, a game in which the Detroit Red Wings would be declared the victors in a shootout. Uh, Detroit wins this one by a score of three to two. And Robbie, it, it's become clear to me that. They're, while they're not there yet, the Detroit Red Wings are slowly but surely making progress and coming out of their rebuild, uh, which, you know, th- their rebuild has been well documented over the last several seasons as they had to essentially retool and rebuild after so much prolonged success, notably their their 25-year playoff streak. Uh, but their rebuild is coming to an end. This victory propelled their record to 19-19-6. and six. Uh, Giovanni Smith gets the Red Wings out on the board at the 18-19 mark of the first period. Detroit out to a 1-0 lead over Pittsburgh. Into the second period, Jake Ensel gets the equalizer on the power play. His uh, fantastic season continues at the 5.54 mark of the second, gets the equalizer. However, Philip Zadina would get his fifth goal of the campaign to give the Detroit Red Wings a one-goal lead again at the 16.31 mark of the second, right before the period would come to an end. And uh, 27 seconds into the third period, Jake Ensel would get on the score sheet again to equalize for the Penguins. That would be all of the goals scored within regulation, uh, nothing to report in uh, the three-on-three overtime, so we go to the shootout. Uh, Pittsburgh's first shooter, Jake Gensel, got the miss there, no goal there. Detroit, Lucas Raymond, Detroit, uh, Detroit's first shooter, he gets the goal. That's followed up by uh, Sidney Crosby being denied. Dylan Larkin would then be denied, and then Chris Letang, the final shooter for the Penguins, his shot would be saved by Calvin Pickard as well. Detroit wins this one in a shootout, 3-2. to two. Uh, Again, Robbie, they get a loser point against the Red Wings. Uh, the, the Red Wings, while I, I mentioned they are playing better and uh, aren't in the doldrums of the Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic Division anymore, 
they are uh, slowly proving themselves to be a very competitive hockey club, uh, edging out the Penguins here. Uh, so the Penguins, like I said, get the loser point, Robbie. Um, what are your thoughts from the January 28th game against the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, again, you, we can talk about, I mean, good to get a point out of the whole thing. But at the same time, uh, again, they never led in this game. I don't think so, at least. No, I don't no. think so. Um, they didn't lead in this game. So, uh, yeah, they're playing from behind. And it just seemed like any time they got it even, um, it just seemed like Detroit had an answer. And Detroit, like you mentioned, uh, they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're, it, they'd have to take a big time. They'd have to go really hot in the second half of the year and have somebody above them go really cold. Uh, to really make the playoffs, but they're a team that's probably two or three years away, maybe not even that, depending on free agency and how things come together for them. But, I mean, overall, you have to uh, look at them and like what's happening in in uh, Detroit right now. They Again, the Penguins had played the night before, so the Red Wings had been of an advantage there. But they kept battling. They kept the Penguins on the back foot. They never let the Penguins in front to kind of allow the Penguins to uh, play their game uh, the way they play with control of the game. Uh, And also credit to Jake Gentle in this game, who was, uh, again, just remaining hot heading into the All-Star game where he will be participating in Las Vegas. And uh, he had two goals in this game, a power play goal, and then one uh, in regular 5-1-5 play. Uh, to start the third period, and he really was uh, the Penguins' best player. He's doing exactly what uh, we expect Jake Gensel to do. He's one of the best players in the NHL right now, one of the best goal scorers, and you can't even call him a product of Sidney Crosby anymore because he's just that. He's he's just a good player in his own right, and he deserves uh, all the credit for that. So, again, they got a point in this game. Uh, the shootout was, I mean, Jari stopped uh, – one of the two attempts, you can't expect him to stop everyone. You can't put the total onus on him. At some point, uh, your guys have to score as well. But, I mean, again, another point. So, out of those two games, it's two points. So, it's basically like they just really lost the game. And um, it, it stinks. And you, uh, out of those two games, those two teams, you would have liked to at least gotten uh, three points. But uh, you can't really complain about um, – uh, two points in a situation like that, just basically one, one, you lost one. And Robbie, to your point, uh, that kind of helps with the cushion that the Penguins have fortunately given themselves. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks here uh, on the podcast, the, the seating in the Eastern Conference, or rather the teams in the Eastern Conference are essentially decided uh, that the Penguins are well within a playoff position at this point. So they can afford to have a little bit of a skid like this and and really not press the panic button for for any reason whatsoever. So as we move forward here, January 30th, uh, the Penguins would welcome the Los Angeles Kings to town and Robbie. I think it's fortunate. I'm not sure how many more games, if if any, remain against the Los Angeles Kings this season. But uh, I, I'd have to imagine the Penguins 
are, are quite fortunate not to have to deal with the Kings on a regular basis, at least looking at their performances against the Kings this season. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings come into Pittsburgh and win this one by a score of 4-3 to three in regulation. This was a very back-and-forth game. Alex Ayafalo gets the Kings on the board at the 117 mark of the second period of play. No scoring to report in the first period. Sidney Crosby, however, would answer back with his 12th goal of the season on the power play, thanks to assists coming from Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. However, that uh, that tie game would only last mere minutes as Trevor Moore would get his sixth goal of the campaign at the halfway point of the second period to give Los Angeles a one-goal lead again. Drew Doughty at the 13-49 mark of the second would make it a two-goal advantage for the silver and black of Los Angeles. Into the third period, Brian Rust gets on the score sheet within four minutes of each goal. His first goal of the game, 11th of the season, comes at the 6-17 mark of the third to try and claw back and cut that Los Angeles deficit down to just one goal now. And Rust, like I mentioned, would answer again four minutes later at the 10-02 mark of the third period on the power play, thanks to assists from Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. The game would be tied at three by the halfway point of the third period. However, Trevor Moore would find his name on the score sheet for the second time in this game. And the Kings would get the regulation winner at the 13-21 mark of the third period. Pittsburgh obviously tried to answer back, but to no avail. Uh, the Kings wrap up this game with 38 shots on goal to Pittsburgh's 26. Pittsburgh does go two for four on the power play. That's uh, always a positive. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, of note, Robbie, out hit the Los Angeles Kings by a margin of 56 to 12. So the Penguins uh, were certainly probably have to be pretty pleased with their physical play. Uh, alas, it obviously doesn't come and get you the two points, which I'm sure obviously is what you want. But uh, again, the, this little mini skid continues. Los Angeles gets out of Pittsburgh with a regulation victory. Uh, again, it's a Western Conference opponent. I'm not drawing too many conclusions on it. It stinks. Uh, you would have liked to see them maybe go into overtime again. Fortunes change, and they get an overtime victory. But that did not happen. Ravi, I'll hand it over to you. What did you like and dislike from the January 30th game against the Los Angeles Kings? I think this was a game you look at and you could tell that the legs are getting tired. And it was an afternoon game after coming and only I mean, less than 48 hours off since you just completed a back-to-back. Thankfully, it was at home, so they didn't have to travel anywhere. But, yeah, the Kings are definitely going to be a team that the Penguins are glad they don't see the rest of the year. That's two losses, both in regulation to a decent Kings team, not a great Kings team, a team that's uh, kind of rebuilding itself. But um, when they tied it up there in the third period, you're just – kind of thinking that uh, let's just get this to overtime and grab at least another point. But uh, sadly, they could not. After Trevor Moore scored that goal with about six and a half minutes left, it just they couldn't find the equalizer at that point and had to settle for just the outright loss. And it just it's this game kind of felt like the legs are getting a little heavy, a little their things are slowing down a little bit. Uh, just one more game to the break. And um, they just kind of s- s- were sluggish uh, in this game, even though they did keep fighting when they went down uh, and kept finding a way back and even had it tied there in the third period. It's just unfortunate they could get to at least overtime or even find a winner 
in regulation. Uh, it went the other way, and um, it just kind of continued this uh, little slide as they worked their way close to the break. So they, the Penguins would get to the break, uh, but that would not come without meeting their divisional rival, the Washington Capitals. And, Robbie, whenever these two teams meet, you you know fireworks are bound to go off, both offensively and, and, and maybe uh, in the penalty box as well. But uh, the Capitals would win this game by a score of 4-3 to three in overtime. Like I said, a very back-and-forth affair. Uh, I, Robbie, I was expecting this game to be a, like a, a little bit of a two to one kind of game. Like you mentioned, both both teams probably were pretty exhausted to this point. They knew that 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 much needed break was right around the corner. But uh, seven combined goals between these two teams, uh, certainly a, an offensive performance fans were definitely gifted to. Nick Dowd gets the scoring going at the 550 mark of the first period, a shorthanded goal, I should add, the Capitals uh, are out to a one nothing lead again thanks to the Nick Dowd shorty. However, Evgeny Malkin would answer back on the power play just moments later uh, to tie the game at one, his fifth goal of the campaign. Brian Rust would give the Penguins the lead two to one on the power play four minutes after at the 11:26 mark of the first period. But Dmitry Orlov would answer it, get his own power play tally at the 16-13 mark of the first period of play. Both teams go into the first intermission, tied at two with a lot of power play action uh, in that first frame. Coming into the second period now, at the 444 mark of the second period, Brian Rust continues his tremendous season, getting his 14th goal of the of the season on the power play Pittsburgh leads three to two but Washington would not be denied they keep clawing back former Pittsburgh Penguins prospect Daniel Sprung gets his eighth goal of the season with under a minute to go before the horn sounds to end and the uh, and the second period those last minute goals are always going to be backbreakers I don't care whatever team you root for those are the last thing that you want to give up. No goals in the third period to speak of. So uh, regulation would end with both teams tied at three, and this was going to end either in overtime or a shootout, and Dmitry Orlov would get on the board again, his second goal of the game. At the 417 mark of overtime, both teams were just about to go into a shootout, but Washington takes the two points here right at the conclusion of the overtime period. Robbie, uh, Pittsburgh's three goals all come on the power play in this game. Pittsburgh goes three for five on the power play. They win 52% of their faceoffs. They outshoot Washington 47 to 32. Uh, but again, they, they walk away with the loser point. And uh, the, the main topic we're going to talk about momentarily has to essentially deal, one of the reasons it has to deal with is what happened in this overtime period that led to Washington scoring the game-winning goal. And I'm not one to blame individual players for individual performances. I understand this is a team game, but uh, you look at the recent play of Kasperi Kapanen and his his offensive zone gaffe that he committed uh, in overtime while he was on the ice that led Washington to regain possession, go down, and score the game-winning goal. So, uh, Robbie, before we head into the main segment, I'll hand it over to you. What were your thoughts from the first game of February against the Washington Capitals? Yeah, again, they never could get that second goal to kind of, after they went up, after they finally took the lead in that game, to uh, get a two-goal cushion. Washington, they just let Washington hang around. And Washington 
Washington's a good hockey team still. I mean, yeah, they're older, but so are the Penguins. And that's just a game where you had the lead in the third period. Or no, they don't actually. They had the lead at the end. of They blew that uh, lead at the end of the second period. And yeah, giving up a goal late in that final minute of a period can really um, can really throw a wrench into things. And it did uh, for the Penguins, I think. They had... Uh, they had chances to kind of get back ahead, but they couldn't uh, figure it out. And then in overtime, where it looked like they were going to get another shootout, uh, one mistake and poof, uh, it's over. And Orlov, of all people, gets the uh, gets the, uh, the the game winner in overtime. Uh, and from a good note for the Penguins, like you mentioned, the power play, which was. Uh, uh, on point as good as 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 on point as the power play could be uh pretty much in this game you, you're not going to convert all of them but uh, you convert three of them brian russ getting two of them to remain uh the red red hot uh just bumping that uh free agency make bumping that dollar amount up from when he hits free if he hits free agency uh this off season so uh, i mean you got a point but again a, a tight race like this that's a game where worst case scenario you don't get anything so it's not the end of the world to get a point but you had your chances in this game to uh, take control of the game and it just they weren't able to just fully grasp it and it cost them uh, in the standings uh, only a point but you had a chance to take two so in a way I mean it was a three-point swing uh, not being able to get that win there uh, from gaining two points to losing one so I mean, there's a silver lining, but also you, it's just something you wish you could have gotten two points out of against a team like Washington in a game where, I mean, as tired as you are, as much as you're looking forward to the break, they controlled for the for most part of that game, and they just couldn't quite uh, get that extra goal they needed, and it cost them uh, in the end. So the Penguins' uh, next scheduled game comes on February 8th uh, at TD Garden up in Boston against the Boston Bruins. Robbie, uh, I'm I'm sure you're very much aware, as many other Penguins fans are, uh, good things do not happen to the Penguins up in TD Garden. Uh, They are notoriously bad when playing the Bruins on the Bruins' home turf. So just looking ahead just a little bit i'm not i'm already not expecting good things to come from that first game out of the all-star break but we will get to that uh next in next week's podcast episode uh after that game has concluded robbie this week i want to talk about one player and one player specifically and i mentioned it in the in the recap segment that player is casperry kapanen we we have a bit of a casperry kapanen conundrum if you will on social media kapanen is continuing to draw the ire of Penguins fans and potentially even more so his coaching staff. And uh, he has been noted for his lack of poor play and consistency hasn't really been on display since the start of the season. And looking at Kapanen's statistics, he has nine goals and 24 points in 45 games this season. It's not terrible, but I know a lot of fans are expecting more, especially in the goal scoring department that has not come uh, that has not come to this point of the season. And one thing that I that I thought was very intriguing was looking at Kasperi Kapanen's ice time going back to the January 23rd game against the Winnipeg Jets. So going back to that game, his ice time has fallen from 
1807 to 1556 to 1331 to 1101 and a season low ice time of just over eight minutes on January 30th. And I will preface that Kapanen did see more ice time in that game against the Capitals, but as I mentioned before handing it off to you, he's going to be remembered for his his uh, erroneous play he made uh, in the offensive zone before the Capitals regained possession to get that game-winning goal. So, Robbie, we're, we're heading towards the trade deadline. It's on March 21st, I do believe. Many fans are already calling for Ron Hextall to trade Casperi Kapanen, and many fans are connecting the dots, and they would like to see Casperi Kapanen traded to the Vancouver Canucks to see what our old pal Jim Rutherford might be able to give up for Casperi Kapanen in what might may be a change of scenery kind of trade. So, Robbie, my question to you this week is simple. Coming out of the All-Star break, what would you do with Casperi Kapanen? Do you trade Kapanen knowing that he may have some, some uh, handicap to his trade value? Do you demote Kapanen? Do, do you give him third, fourth-line minutes? Do you hope he finds his groove on that second line alongside, uh, presumably alongside of Genny Malkin? What is the solution, if there is one, to one Casperi Kapanen? I think the easiest and obvious, at least attempted a fix, is to demote him. And we've seen that already. Mike Sullivan uh, is clearly not happy with uh, Kapanen's game right now. So uh, it's no shock that. Captain seeing less and less ice time and the mistake against the Capitals is just I, I mean it wasn't like he was challenged or pressured or anything like that he just was skating around tried to throw it in deep whiffed on it and he couldn't get back to the puck Washington took possession the Penguins never touched the puck again uh the next time uh, just moments later Dmitry Orlov was putting one past Tristan Jari uh, for the victory in that overtime game so, I mean, I think the obvious choice and the one that Mike Sullivan's already using is to um, is to demote him. I don't know what his trade value is. I do not know if Jim Rutherford again, Rutherford's not necessarily the ones going to be making all those decisions now with Patrick Alvine out there uh, taking over the general manager role in Vancouver. So, just how what they think of Captain, I mean. Rutherford and again Alvin would have been part of that trade. Were the ones that brought him to Pittsburgh um, in the offseason following the uh, bubble playoffs, where the Penguins lost to Montreal. So, I, do they like him? Do they see something in him that maybe they'd be willing to swing a trade for? I, who knows? I don't think that there's a huge trade value outside of uh, outside of maybe just taking a swing with the Rutherford crew out in Vancouver. Uh, but who knows? I mean, you, you never know what a team's looking for. Uh, he does have good speed. He does. I mean, he does produce when he gets on them hot streaks. But right now, it just it just doesn't seem like anything's clicking. I thought maybe things would change when Malkin comes back, and I think we've seen enough now that of Malkin being back that that's not necessarily going to uh, change that much with Casperi Kapanen in the Penguins lineup. So uh, it's clear that Mike Sullivan isn't liking what he's seeing. He's demoted him. Uh, you don't go from 18 minutes of ice time to 11 minutes of ice time in a four or five game span on accident, unless you get hurt one game or something like that. Um, there's a specific reason for that. 
or no, sorry, to an an eight minute, uh, an eight minute game ice time in, in one of those games. So it's clear that Mike Sullivan has uh, seen something he doesn't like, and he's uh, letting Captain know with a uh, cut in ice time, a cut in responsibility. He's playing on lower lines. They took him off the Malkin line. Um, but I think either way, regardless of what the Penguins do with him, keep him or trade him at this deadline, given his free agent status this coming offseason, I think his time in Pittsburgh is uh, short-lived overall. I just don't think that knowing what they have to sign, I don't think Kasperi Kapanen is a is going to be a priority this offseason. He is a restricted free agent, so the Penguins will have some control there if they choose to use it. But I think that his days in Pittsburgh are numbered, whether it's uh, via trade or via exiting via uh, free agency this offseason. So uh, if you have a captain in Jersey, uh, congrats to you. But I think it's going to be uh, picking up dust more often than getting worn here in the very near future. But I think – I don't know if they're going to – I just don't – I mean, unless they can get a trade that they think works that brings uh, something of use back to Pittsburgh, uh, then, yeah, maybe you consider pulling the trigger and getting that money off the books. But – the Penguins are in a win-now mode. So the trades they make are going to be mostly focused on uh, bringing in pieces to make the team better. Um, maybe a guy like Kapanen's in addition by subtraction. I don't know. Uh, but it'll be interesting to watch how Ron Hextall plays this and how Mike Sullivan plays this in the next month, month and a half with uh, the deadline looming here uh, a little past the middle of March. So, um, a lot of time to still work this out, but I think right now we'll see until the the he seems to get his head back in the game. I think we'll see him remain on the uh, in a bottom six scenario unless they decide they need him through injury or uh, something else to bring him back into that top six picture. But yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation, and it'll be one of the biggest things to keep an eye on here in the next couple of weeks once the team uh, comes back. So keep it right here uh, on the Pensburg podcast and at over at pensburg.com for the latest developments and uh, latest trade news and rumors that may come up over the next couple of weeks. Casper Kapanen is going to be a uh, hotly rumored name coming out of Pittsburgh uh, with regard to the uh, the trading deadline towards the end of March. Robbie, it's time for the mailbag segment every week. Uh, if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you are interested in contributing to our weekly mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. We love getting all sorts of questions from our loyal listeners who love interacting with us, and we in turn love interacting with you. Robbie, we just have one question, one question on the docket this week. And question number one, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll basically, I guess we can split it, uh, split it down the middle. You give your thoughts and I'll give mine since there's only one question. This question comes from Yinzersaurus, quite the name there. Yinzersaurus says this, Chris Letang's play of late has been, to put it nicely, considerably more irresponsible than it was earlier in the season. Is that the Evgeny Malkin effect? I think it's just Crystal Tang being Crystal Tang. Um, that's just who he is. You're going to get stretches like this where he kind of loses his mind. There was one game last, I can't remember which game it was exactly, where it might have been the Detroit game. Maybe it's the Los Angeles game. I don't know. That entire first pairing was basically a garbage fire. Uh, both Latang and Dumoulin were just terrible. 
um, in that in, in one of those games. I can't remember exactly which one, but it's to me it's kind of weird to blame a defenseman's poor play on a forward coming back. I don't think that's really anything to deal with it. Um, uh, it Malkin has been playing for the most part extremely good, extremely responsibly. I mean, he's gonna he's Evgeny Malkin. He's gonna do stuff that makes you probably want to pull your hair out, but he's also playing at a point per game pace uh, since coming back. So you can't really uh, complain too much about what Malkin's been doing on the ice. Latang, I mean, Latang's just, I mean, he's a psychopath. I mean, he has been for years now. Uh, and I mean that in the most uh, genuine way as possible. I don't mean that as a, uh, as a, uh, as a criticism. I mean, as a compliment, he is, he's always played like that on the ice. He's been borderline um, between great and, the most agonizingly frustrating player on the Penguins for over almost 15 years now. I mean, uh, it's just, it's his, his game. And this year, I mean, overall, he's, if he's in Pittsburgh next year or not, he's worked himself into a very big payday. He is, if the voting ended today, he'd probably be a, a Norris Trophy finalist. Uh, whether or not he'd win it, we can debate. But I mean, he's been one of the top five defensemen in the league. Uh, this season, I don't even think it's really, um, uh, really a um, an argument there. But his play recently, he could come out of the All Star break playing like Bobby Orr, or he could come out playing like Bobby Orr, who doesn't believe that a defensive zone exists. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just who Crystal Tang is. I don't think it has anything to do with Malkin, because um, Malkin, I think, has played spectacularly since. Uh, coming back from injury, no complaints there. But Latang, this is the kind of this is what you get. This is what we've seen for the past uh, 15 years now from him is that he's going to do some spectacular crazy crap, and then he's going to do some spectacularly awful crazy crap uh, his next shift. So uh, I mean, you take the good at the bad of Latang, and um, you hope that and, and his entire career, more often than not, you got the good Chris Latang. So. For a guy who's been through the ringer injury-wise and health-wise throughout his career, um, the fact that Crystal Tank's still playing hockey, whether it's irresponsibly or not, uh, is probably a blessing for Penguins fans to begin with. So, um, no, I'm not really worried about Latang. I don't think it's an effect of any of his teammates or anything like that. I think it's just Crystal Tang being Crystal Tang. And, yeah, agonizing to watch sometimes, but bafflingly brilliant other times. Robbie, to your point, Chris Letang this season, his age 34 season, I, I want I want fans to to realize that by your age 34 season, a lot of players are expected to see that decline because of the aging curve. Chris Letang has played 42 games this season and has five goals and 36 assists for 41 points and is a plus 16. Uh, so he's averaging a point per, per point per game. Uh, he's averaging this season, 25, 25, 45, 25 minutes, 45 seconds of ice time. His Corsi four percentage is right now is 51. I, I do believe this is from hockey reference. These stats are coming from hockey reference. Uh, the game Robbie, you were referring to, I believe was the Kings game. 
Uh, Latang was a minus three in uh, that game against the Los Angeles Kings. However, he did register two assists in his last five games, going back to the Arizona game. He had two goals against Arizona. He registered assist and assist in the loss against the Kraken. He was capped off the score sheet uh, against the Detroit Red Wings. He registered two assists, but like I mentioned, he went minus three in that loss against the Kings. And in the overtime loss against the Capitals, he did register an assist, but was also minus one as well. And in relation to the Malkin effect, the the, the negatives are magnified more than the positives. Uh, and I, what I mean by that is you look at Latang, he was a minus three on on the ice for three goals against here. Uh, so a minus three against the Kings, a minus one against the uh, the Capitals. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, through 12 games so far, is has five goals, eight assists for 13 points. However, Malkin is a minus four. So I could see where maybe some fans get frustrated about some of the more egregious errors that they might see on the ice, especially if a goal is scored while Malkin or Latang are on the ice. I personally am not going to put too much stock into plus minus. I think it's a pretty useless stat in 2022. To your point, Robbie, it's 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 the good and the bad, and more often than not, you're getting the good rather than getting the bad. So I know there's a there's a segment of, of Penguins fans, and I'm not saying this is coming from Yinzersaurus. I'm not saying this is coming from the question asker. But I do know there's a segment of Penguins fans whose beliefs are closely aligned with uh, some certain media personalities in this town. And uh, whatever some certain media personalities in this town say, some fans are likely to blindly follow and if that means trading Evgeny Malkin or trading Chris Letang uh, is one of the things that is being harped on in this town, then more and more people are going to likely latch onto that and criticize and magnify the mistakes of both Malkin and Letang. Because Robbie, let's be let's let's be let's be blunt. Malkin and Letang are the two biggest lightning rods for criticism on this team. I think you would agree with me in in in, in saying that. They're, they're always ripe for criticism whenever something doesn't go right. It's always in the Penguins' Facebook comments. It's always trade Malkin or trade Latang for, for a bigger, grittier forward or some useless nonsense like that. But to your point, Robbie, like you concluded there, you take the good with the bad, and more often than not, you're going to get the good. So to conclude Ianzersaurus's question uh, and to get off my soapbox a little bit, Robbie, uh, no, I don't think Latang's play and recent struggles have anything to do with Evgeny Malkin. And I think coming out of the All-Star break with both players rested, Evgeny Malkin even admittedly said he vows to be better after the All-Star break, which is ludicrous in my opinion, because he's averaging a point per game too in the 12 games that he's played since coming back. So uh, if Malkin is vowing to be better, I don't know what that kind of Evgeny Malkin is going to look like, but... If that's the case, if Malkin believes he's struggling on the ice, then we could be in for a treat in the second half of the season, Robbie. So I don't know if you if you if you'd like to put a bow on this discussion, Robbie, but uh, I may have just uh, I may have just burst a blood vessel just uh, just going on my soapbox there. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is that way. But Chris, getting back to Latang, the guy in question here, 41 points this year, fifth most among all defensemen in the NHL. Sure, you'd like to see more goals. He only has five goals, which is uh, way down the list. 
But again, guys like Makar, Yossi, and Hedman, Ekblad, like those guys, I mean, yeah, those guys are having all world seasons too. So uh, Adam Fox is there as well. But I mean, overall, I mean, Crystal Tang is going to do what Crystal Tang does. And when you're a defenseman putting up a point per game, I mean, that's, I mean, any team, like teams would fall over themselves to get their hands on a guy like that. Well, Robbie, uh, like I said, uh, a short mailbag this week. That will wrap up this edition of the Pensburg podcast. Thanks again to Yinzersaurus for sending in the, the question this week so we could have our mailbag segment. Uh, but for Robbie Novel, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Pensburg podcast. And we will be back for you this time next week. <laughs>